Welcome to the Nurturing Podcast, where early childhood is the priority. In our podcast, renowned experts from around the world share actionable tips and techniques, experiences, and best practices for educators and parents. Today, we have a veteran educationist who has transformed the face of early childhood education and care in India. She is an Australian citizen, an Indian educationist, entrepreneur, and a writer, and is now based in Mumbai, India. She has had a remarkable journey from a young preschool teacher from Australia to revolutionizing the Indian preschool sector with the establishment of the first Kangaroo Kids Preschool in Bandra, Mumbai, in 1993 and subsequently the K-12 sector by launching the chain of Billabong High International Schools in 2004. From just 25 children in her first batch to over 70-plus preschools and almost 25 K-12 schools across India and the Middle East, she has achieved and contributed a lot to the education space in India. Yes, you might have guessed by now, our guest today is the inspiring and passionate Miss Lena Usher. In today's episode, we will talk about Miss Lena's publicly known and the not-so-publicly-known life journey and dive much deeper into a topic very close to her heart, positive parenting. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Miss Lena Usher. Most welcome, most welcome. My pleasure. So, you had a very interesting journey so far. Uh, you were born and brought up in Australia. You went to UK for your studies and then came to India in 1991. Uh, please. Yes, that's right. Please tell us about your life journey. Oh, it's a very, very long one. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was born with uh, dislocated hips um, and that wasn't picked up. And so I was actually brought to India in between this whole journey. So I could uh, be taken care of by my grandparents while I was in frog plaster. Uh, frog plaster is something that they put on to correct, you know, dislocation of the hips. And I grew up then not walking uh, correctly. I had to go through various surgeries, etc. So I think a large part of who I am came out of all those kind of experiences I had. Um, you know, I was the first to introduce inclusive schooling uh, in India. I think a lot of my empathy and uh, you know, wanting to care for kids comes from the experiences I had as a, as a, as a child. Um, yeah, and uh, shifting, you know, living from country to country, I, I think made me a very resilient, very adaptable to change. Um, I was uh, in Australia doing my uh, teaching degree. I was born a teacher. I started teaching kids at the age of three, believe it or not, even when I couldn't uh, read a storybook, I was reading stories to them. Um, so I went on to doing my teaching degree in Australia. Um, in between that, I took a sabbatical, came here, taught in a very prestigious school, but had a very poor experience when I put myself into the shoes of kids as to what they were going through, which for me was a sheer robbery of their childhood. So I decided that when I finished my education, I would come back here and make a change. I didn't know how I was going to go about doing that, but uh, just my why, my purpose was so strong that I came here. I started my first preschool it got caught on fire because it was so different to what anybody else was doing at the time. And well, things just kind of took off from there. Um, 
went into franchising preschools because um, I didn't have the capital to expand. And I used my expertise, which was around engaging children um, with learning in a way that was really enjoyable for them. So that was the USP of what we stood for as Kangaroo Kids and Billabong High. Three years ago, I sold the company. So I now work as an advisor to the company because my next uh, step up is I believe that the teaching of EQ and the habits of mind is way more important than any content knowledge that children receive. So that's going to be my next foray, as well as I want to scale and have impact. And the only way to do that is through virtual online learning experience. So that's a framework that I'll start working on in another year's time. So that's my life story so far. That is really inspiring, ma'am. <laughs> so, yeah, so things like positive parenting um, mean a lot more to me than if you teach me, okay, how do you teach the kids alphabets or how do you teach them your know, numerals? Something that uh, has much, much wider impact is, uh, is a lot more profound for me. And positive parenting um, in itself is, is, is a very important topic because what happens is you, we, usually, we usually inherit parenting ways from our parents um, and from our ancestors and we tend to unconsciously use the same parenting techniques with our children and very often we're carrying wounds from our own childhood which we then perpetuate in generations going forward so yes so if a podcast like this can have a parent sort of take a pause and rethink their parenting style then and you know sort of heal themselves in the process and go on to a much better parenting style to their children then it means that you know going forward you've created that much impact um in, in future generations great that's that's very deep ma'am uh, <laughs> what does positive parenting mean to you so theoretically positive parenting is also known as authoritative parenting mm -hmm. which is not to be confused with authoritarian parenting um and then we've got one third style which is called permissive parenting so um, i'm going to be largely talking about authoritarian parenting and, and uh, authoritative parenting so to not get confused between the two what i'll do is i'll call authoritative parenting positive parenting and authoritarian parenting as strict parenting for want of a better word so what is positive parenting it's a mix of using discipline as well as respect so it's, a, it's an it's an in-between style um, it means that children have no ambiguity about what rules there are and how they are expected to behave uh, but it's done with a lot of respect. This style of parenting is very dem democratic. Um, so it allows children a voice in what's happening in their lives. So when I'm talking to teachers about this, what we do in our classrooms is we tell teachers that there's a need to discuss why rules are important for any group of people to live together, but also to understand the need for the ground rules, but to formulate these together with the children you know, along with the consequences of breaking these rules. So what we find is when children are involved in, in the, the creation of rules, when they break the rules, they, they accept the consequences a lot better and with a lot more understanding, you know. So um, this sort of style encourages voice and choice from, from the child. So it encourages a lot of independence. So, you know, children not doing things because an older person or an adult tells them to do it. They're doing it with their own involvement. So there's a lot more understanding and therefore a lot more in independence. At, you know, in our schools, we have uh, equal representation of students across all our PTA association groups, especially the ones that directly affect kids, like discipline, um, the ones that directly involve behavior. We've got children involved. And even in preschool or in primary school, these are very, very uh, easy things for children to understand and to participate in. So in terms of positive parenting, there's very simple things a positive parent does instead of 
highlighting and nagging negative behavior. They actually ignore that and they reinforce and acknowledge positive behavior, even very small steps towards positive behavior. Like if you, for example, if you expect a child to be helping in house chores, if a child goes into, you know, pull out the table mats, you would reinforce that as uh, and acknowledge that as uh, a great effort. This parent would also have conversations with their child rather than lectures and sermons of, you know, what happened when I was a child, etc., etc. In the, in, in, and in the conversation, the parent will always allow the child to lead the conversation rather than them leading and dictating the conversation. This parent also shows the child a lot of love and care verbally with words as well as physically through hugs and cuddles. This style assists children to set their own goals and, and, and this kind of works in a great advantage for both the child and the parent. You know, an example of when, you know, a, a, chi a child is not wanting to do what a, a positive parent is uh, advocating. An example would be, say, for example, a child doesn't want to wear his helmet while he's riding a bicycle. A positive parent would say you have the choice between wearing a helmet and riding your bicycle or playing an indoor game that does not require a helmet. Or say, for example, a child um, does not want to brush his teeth. Um, then the parent would say you have a choice of eating a carrot instead of dessert if you don't want to brush your teeth. So, you know, there's a direct link between what you want the child to do um, and the consequence you lay out. Because, you know, if you're, if you're not willing to be safe outdoors, you play an indoor game that's safe. So you're, you're giving the child a choice in, in doing the right thing. I can definitely relate to this. This is very powerful uh, in terms of actually setting or getting the discipline in place, but in a way which lets the child think through the options or the consequences right. or not be like, okay, I have, I'm facing a wall. If I don't do this, there's no way out. So yes, yeah. So but, the minute you give children the choice and voice, they immediately rise to a much higher expectation uh, and a much higher level of thinking than you would think possible. And just quickly to, even though you haven't asked me, that there's a very big difference between a punishment and a consequence. A consequence is immediate and it directly relates to the behavior you want uh, to see altered. So to give a simple example, if a child is scribbling on the table with crayons, the, a consequence would be that the child cleans up the table mm -hmm. with soap and water. And a punishment would be where you take the child's iPad away or television time away. So one speaks to the brain. A consequence has a direct communication with the brain, whereas punishment doesn't. So punishment does not change behavior, it does not modify behavior, only consequences modify behavior. So how can a parent adopt positive parenting when they've not really you know, used it from the very beginning? Like as a parent, I'm thinking changing or the way I'm, I have been reacting or behaving with my children has kind of resulted in certain action. The minute you get that question mark, is my parenting style um, appropriate? I mean, the first step towards changing your own behavior is awareness that you want uh, a behavior change. So first is, first is, uh, first core requirement would be to reflect on what is your existing style. Is it veering? I mean, and no one's completely permissive or completely authoritative or completely authoritarian. We tend to be a little bit of a mix of the two, but we have to figure out where our dominance is. Mm -hmm. So the first is to reflect on what your existing style is. Because most of us live unconsciously and in autopilot mode. So if we, when we do this, we usually follow the patterns we learned during our childhood, which means we adopt our parents' style of parenting um, um, on ourselves, uh, on our children, sorry. So for some uh, who have been 
positively parented, it's, it's great because the style has worked for you and it will work for your child as well. But for many uh, parents, the way that they were raised is being modeled by them unconsciously and may not be serving them or their children. So for example, if you've grown up, grown up in a home where a punitive style of discipline was used, a strict style of spanking, hitting, yelling, or shaming, so it was the norm, it, it may be a challenge for you to use more positive parenting techniques as you yourself would not have experienced them. So then we need to go through a process of discovering where these came from, what we experienced, who we became because of these experiences, um, who we are because of these learned behaviors, and then think deeply about who we want to be as parents. Because, you know, there's this very, very stark difference between the two. If you've been brought up in a punitive home, your parent has laid down all the rules. It's easy. He or she has punished you if these were not met. It's a very dictator style of parenting if you've experienced that. Um, and, and that means it's not trusted you to make the best choices. You may now push this style forward for your children. Because, you know, if that's all you've, if that's all you've known, that you behave positively in the presence of fear, threat of punishment, then you tend to want to use that same style because in some sense, it's, it may have turned you compliant, but you don't understand that and you, you sort of perpetuate that style. So the first is just simply to understand where you are in the spectrum of these and mm -hmm. to take then baby steps towards shifting these. So if I was uh, a strict parent and I wanted to move towards a more democratic, positive way of parenting, I would take one behavior at a time that I want shifted in my child and just work on that one behavior at any point. And I'd have sort of markers for me to pick up when I'm using each style of parenting. And it's simply pause, reflect, uh, a lot of what we're doing today, you know, it's just, uh, and, and obviously it's, as you start using these positive parenting techniques, do not expect that you'll get results immediately because it'll take time for you and your child to adjust to this new style of parenting. For example, if a parent's listening to this podcast, it's like the very first step towards practicing positive parenting because you pick up so much, right? So the, it's just awareness of where you are and then aware that you want to and you can consciously work on changing this. And when you're doing this, most parents who go through counseling for their children actually discover a lot of their own inner wounded children within themselves. Because if, if you've been brought up punitively, you've got a lot of wounds, uh, inner childhood, childhood wounds that you actually need to fix yourself. Because if you don't heal these, it's very, very difficult for you not to, uh, is to, for you to shift your parenting. So this is actually a time when you can rewrite generational parenting scripts, starting from yourself for the future generations. And, and I absolutely believe any change that we have to bring in, in a child has to start with a change in the parent. As you rightly said, this basically will start by parents rediscovering themselves. And, and their wounds. A lot of times children trigger wounds that we haven't healed ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, within us. And, you know, like, for example, what bullies do um, when when a child is bullied by the parent, by the adult. Right. So I'm using the word bullied. No mm -hmm. parent consciously means to bully his child, but unconsciously, that's what we end up doing. Right. If we exert power over a child just by virtue of us being bigger and stronger and more powerful in our voice and, and physique, that is a form of bullying. So when we do that with our child, the child then loses a sense of control and then becomes the bully to someone who's smaller than him because that's actually what he's learned. And if we haven't fixed that wound of us being bullied as, uh, as a child, we're very unlikely to, to be able to perpetuate a positive parenting style going forward. So we do have to access where the pattern comes from 
to heal that pattern and then it automatically will become a change way of parenting that we use. And in this phase, when, uh, when the parent is changing their style of parenting, the child is also experiencing the change, right? So how, how do you manage the child in these times, right? Their behavior, it would take a little bit of time for them to also respond appropriately to this new style of parenting. So it's a lot about consistency, right? So I'll give you an example. My, my sister-in-law, her son would come to her and ask her for something, whatever it was. And she'd say no. And then he kept keep nagging at her and, and nagging at her. And she'd say no, no, no. And till he wore her down and she'd finally say yes, right? And then this child obviously became a, a willful, stubborn child who constantly wanted his own way. And she asked me, you know, what should I do? So I said, uh, you have to be very mindful. Uh, I said, the first thing is I want to ask you if your, you know, your child at the age of uh, two says, but I want to pay, play with this sharp knife. Uh, and you said no. And he kept on nagging at you. Would your eventual answer still be no? She said yes. I said, well, that's the thing. Because you have to be consistent. Uh, and what you say is actually what you end up doing. So you don't threaten the child uh, with anything unless you're actually willing to follow through. So I said, the first step now is because your child's already adopted this stubborn, willful form of behavior is for a while to work out what can you give into and what can't you give into. You're never going to give into the kitchen knife, whereas you may give into the sweet before lunch, for example. So before, when your child asks you, can I have this? First, ask yourself, is this going to, am I going to be able to be broken down by his constant nagging or am I going to hold firm? And for the beginning, don't hold as firm, um, uh, give in to things that you can give in to because at the moment, the child is also testing boundaries and you're also testing boundaries. So you're both testing each other's boundaries at this point in time. So till the child actually understands that a no means a consistent no, uh, take it step by step. So let, the, let it be more yeses than noes, but when it's no, let it be an absolute no, no matter what happens, no matter which tantrum your child throws, no matter what happens. So it's a question of being consistent. And you know, in the beginning, if you've been uh, a permissive parent to work out you know, which areas are going to be permissive in, in the beginning and which areas are you going to hold firm to and gradually taking the child alongside. Absolutely. So, so I think there are two main points that you've called out. One is being consistent. And the second, which has really worked a lot for me, I actually both have worked, worked wonders for me. <laughs> the second one being your yeses being more than your no's. I think uh-huh. acting on these two advices changed my relationship with, with my child. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think it's brilliant because you're saying that you trust kids, right? That kid, kid child wants to know, that you trust and believe in them and you have high expectations of them. So if your child at the age of two wants chocolate, instead of saying, no, I'll give it to you after lunch, what would hurt if you pulled out the chocolate, put it in his hand and say, it's yours, but you will eat it after lunch. So suddenly he feels he's had some control over the situation. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Nurturing Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Soko World, an all-in-one platform for preschools, daycares, and parents. Our mission at Soko World is to create super schools and super parents that are aware and engaged meaningfully to deliver better development and learning outcomes for children from zero to six years. To access our other podcasts and helpful resources, download our app Soko World, that is S-O-C-O World from your app store or visit 
blog.socoworld.com again s o c o world.com do subscribe to our newsletter so you can get news resources articles and templates delivered directly to you to help you with your daily work and challenges thank you again for being such an amazing audience stay tuned